Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Before we get to the show, we have a tradition of when someone close to us passes, we ring the bell. Tonight, it is for our friend and someone who does our plugs for us, or did our plugs for us, the deep voice of the person in the beginning of the shows and at some other places. Um, We will do this briefly and then get to the show. To Nathan Lane Anderson, our friend and part of our Main Street Universe family by doing the plugs with us and for us. He was a hard worker, a good person, someone that would always lend the ear, and had a good sense of humor, and that we had different spiritual paths. I'm sure that your Christian God is happy for the return of one of his children. Nathan, we will miss you. And now we will ring the gong three times three in remembrance, and then get to the show. Archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
Carolina. We are back with Green Magic, Green Medicine with Miss Susan Weed. And as those that listen to us occasionally or from time to time or often, well, oftentimes when a friend of ours passes, we do our little ritual with the bell or a gong here. For Nathan Lane Anderson, our voiceover person who passed away at a fairly early age, he had a lot of pain and issues, but um, again, he'll be missed. But his plugs will still be here for multiple shows. So anyway, Susan's been away for a while. We've been playing some reruns and stuff like that, and I see she is in the queue. I'm going to go ahead and bring her on. Welcome back, Susan Weed. Thank you. It's a delight to be back here with you and to be back home. Oh, yeah. And so you're back in the Catskills, then. You're back back there at the Wise Woman's Center again. I am at Catskills. And, yes, since we last talked, I have been in Italy and Switzerland and Boston, Massachusetts, and Eureka Springs, Arkansas in the Ozark Mountains. Wow. So I have traveled over quite some distances and really had just a marvelous, marvelous time. I had some ravioli in Venice that made me cry. It was so good. (laughs) I like that. And the clouds parted and the sky became blue so that we could see the glaciers glistening on Mont Blanc. Oh, okay. Now, did you have anything to do with the clouds parting or did it just happen? (laughs) I'm sorry, the clouds parted. <laughs> we have no, been kind you. of, you know, um, the wonderful women who, um, whose house I stayed at have a chalet in the Mont Blanc area, and they really wanted us to go and to see the glaciers and to see the mountain. And it was kind of a gray day in Geneva, and we really hoped that as we get closer to the mountain that the clouds would break, that the skies would part, as it were. And that we would, in fact, get to see the sun shining on the mountain, and we did. Nice. Very, very nice. And I fell in love all over again with one of my favorite plants, one of the plants in my green book, Chickweed. I taught at the Indigenous Elders Conference in Turin, and there was chickweed all over the place in Turin, thick patches of chickweed almost everywhere we walked into her. And, you know, these, these broad promenades with roofs over them and big arched colonnades that you go through. And all, you know, where there, where there was light coming in and there were places, there were just masses of chickweed. And in the middles of the, the streets where the parking was and the, a small green area, there would be masses and masses of chickweed. And she's, it's just a wonderful delight to see far from home. Yeah. Yeah. Most everybody should have some chickweed in their garden by this time. Even those who are further north. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful spring green. I was asking myself, I said, you know, the theme you've been on is you've been working at, talking about herbal antibiotics. And are you just going to, like, pick up Susan and, like, really move right into herbal antibiotics? And I thought, no, because 
you and I haven't talked to each other in a long time, and I want to catch up and find out what's going on with you. Oh, my gosh. Um, I can just say some very good things. <laughs> um, new inspiration, the kind of things that make life warm and nice, um, without mentioning names. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, new um some new interesting developments, as well as the band is uh, writing some new stuff, and we got we still have a TV spot coming up. We have some festivals to play. We've played a few gigs actually. I've played out quite a lot actually since the last time I talked to you. And a new, you know, like I said, a new special person. So hoping all of these things just work exciting. Out. Yeah. A lot of things, a lot of good new things. A lot of good new things. And uh, good old things, there's the Main Street universe still ticking away and and doing what it does. I had never been to Eureka Springs before. Have you ever been there? No, I don't think I have. The history of it is that it began its notice when some white people were shown the healing springs by the native people who lived in the area. They were told that this was a place that the native people, probably Cherokee, although I'm not certain, um, where the native people would come for the healing waters because there's these powerful springs there. And in fact, in Eureka Springs, there are, I think, more than... um, 20 or 30 springs. Let's see, I have the official guidebook here, and the the city itself has city parks with springs and trails. There are over 66 springs. And you can easily walk to the 15 most prominent ones. I was taken on a spring walk. I don't know if we got to 15 of them, but we surely got to more than 10 of them. And they're built up. Well, what happened was this white person then went back and said, there are these healing springs here. And because it wasn't developed, the poorer people, the people who had very great health difficulties made their way there by the thousands. And they made like a tent city, and you can imagine the rest. Wow. Did did these springs uh, possess, I'm just going to take a guess, like lots of trace minerals or something in their... Probably a lot of trace minerals, yes. It's very um, porous limestone rock in the area. And uh, so they found the springs. To this day, the springs, you can't drink from them. Oh, wow. And they caused a huge mudslide. So much so that Main Street became known as Mud Street. We went out to dinner, and while they were parking the car, I was walking on this little wall. And I was looking down, and it was very odd because I'm on this wall, and I'm looking 
down at the windows of a building that occasionally I've seen like in New York City and places where there's like a basement apartment and there's like kind of a window well down. But this was all the way around the building. And when the my Eureka Springs house came and got me, they said that's what happened with the mudslide. And they dug it out and put a retaining wall. And that's how much mud fell down off the mountain. It was like, you know, four feet of mud. So I had a very amazing time there. <coughs> I don't know if I told you before I left that I was going to teach at a UFO conference. Um, I think you mentioned something maybe about it, yeah. Right, and that I wasn't actually at the UFO conference. But actually, I did ha- rub quite some elbows with them because the transformation conference that I was teaching at was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then the UFO conference was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So they had a teacher's dinner on Thursday night with all the teachers of both conferences, as well as interested students from both conferences. So I got to sit sit next to the woman who possesses the star child skull. Oh. She's had the skull dated, and it's 900 years old. And at this point, it doesn't look human to anyone, but they haven't been able to get the money to have a DNA analysis. Right. So this was my dinner companion, and quite a fascinating woman. And um, that was as far as I got into the uh, ufology of it, because I then was whisked away to Fire Ohm Earth, where I held a moon lodge on Friday night. Friday during the day, again, the rain stopped and the sun came out, and I walked to uh, over a dozen of these wonderful springs in Eureka Springs. And then Friday night, a moon lodge, and then I had the great thrill of getting to teach all day long on Saturday. So a wonderful group of about 40 women at this beautiful, beautiful plank plant sanctuary, and the creative workshop space. Sounds interesting. Yeah, in the same way that Woodstock, where I live, is really known for theater and musical arts. Eureka Springs is known for um, jewelry and fiber and stained glass and clothing and those kinds of arts. I wrap up. And it's yeah. quite a delight to, uh, you know, walk through town and see all of the offerings of all of the people and how, uh, <clears throat> what a wonderful uh, community they are and very supportive of each other. So if you ever get a chance to visit Eureka Springs, and um, they tell me that there's 2,000 people who live year-round there and about 4,000 beds for rent in Eureka Springs. So they're used to having a lot of guests. It certainly would be worth your while to uh, check out this wonderful place and visit the springs, even if you can't uh, drink from them at this point. Perhaps we'll see what we can do toward healing the springs of Eureka Springs. And one of the great fun things that I got to do while I was there was uh, a man by the name of Stephen 
Foster, who is an herbalist and a photographer, came to visit. He was on his way to Costa Rica to lead a class in photographing nature. And he made time in his tremendously busy schedule to come and sit on an Arkansas porch with me and uh, appreciate the uh, the beauty of nature around us and talk about old times. He reminded me that I had known him since he was 20. I met him out at Sabbath Day Lake where he was working there at the Shaker Herb Farm. One, uh, The Shakers had a great many herb farms throughout the area. Um, where I live here in upstate New York and into Massachusetts. And he had snagged a position at uh, one, uh, one of the remaining Shaker herb farms, although I don't think there were any Shakers there. And I went to visit Sabbath Day Lake uh, because I was uh, doing my best to go and visit all of the um, herbal farms that I could find to uh, feed my appetite for herbs. I wasn't sure... Really, how I was interested in herbs? Did I want to grow them? Did I? I had gotten into herbs because I was so interested in food, and culinary herbs were kind of my entree. But the more that I worked with herbs, the more I appreciated their healing powers, and the more um, things that happened to me in my life that showed me that I needed to uh, focus not so much on growing herbs for culinary use or even growing vegetables for culinary use, but to really focus in on the medicinal plants. I remember the visit because Stephen broke my heart. And not because I was in love with Stephen, but because I was in love with um, Asa Gray. And Asa Gray was a botanist and wrote a very famous book on botany. And a wonderful woman named Maria Dolores Hayose. And I read Asa Gray's Botany to each other over that summer. She also was tremendously interested in plants. And rather than go to college to study botany, we determined that we could teach ourselves botany by reading this book to each other. It was quite the mouthful, not to say um, that we did not learn a huge amount of botany. And I still uh, find botany a core, core subject for aspiring herbalists. Um, Maria Dolores Ayose, meanwhile, um, has gone back to Puerto Rico, where she was born, and has written a slew of books. Um, in her first book, she um, interviewed elders and how they were using uh, herbs of um, Puerto Rico. She wanted to be sure that she got that first before those people died. And she's since gone on to write children's book and a real classic herbal for Puerto Rico. So she too has taken the botany that we shared that summer reading Asa Gray to each other. But how did Stephen Foster break my heart? He told me that Asa Gray was a man. And then Maria Dolores and I were absolutely convinced that Asa was a woman's name. And so the entire summer we kept referring to Asa as a her. And I must tell you that in my heart of hearts, I still believe that Asa Gray must be a woman's name. Uh, even though I know that Stephen Foster is absolutely correct in saying that Asa was indeed a man. Perhaps now that we live in times where gender is more fluid, Asa won't mind that I considered he a her or her a her all of that time. And that as a girl or boy, I thank uh, for helping me learn botany. Stephen Foster 
works with the Peterson's Field Guide series. And he gifted me with his newest book, which is the Peterson's Field Guide to Medicinal Plants, which is illustrated throughout with Stephen Foster's beautiful, beautiful photographs. If you start looking at any herb books that you have and look to see who the um, the credit is for the photographs of the plants, I bet you're going to find Stephen Foster's name over and uh, over again. Uh, one story that I remember Stephen telling, which always fascinated me, was he talked about going outside at night to pick something from his herb garden. Um, I'm going to make up that he had a stomachache and he was looking for something in his garden for his stomachache. I really don't know. But... And he said that he thought that he brushed into some stinging nettle, and it wasn't until a few hours later when he looked down and saw his foot that he realized he'd been bitten by a copperhead. And I was told while I was there, because as you know, I go barefoot everywhere, that I should be really careful if I go outside at night because copperheads hunt at night, and they hunt by looking for temperature differentials the way they find mice is to sense where something small and warm is and a foot qualifies as small and warm. Or as one woman put it to me, you don't get to be an old woman in the Ozarks without a good flashlight if you have to go out at night. So I kept my bare feet inside at night because I don't like copperheads. Apparently Stephen recovered without any problem at all. And I'm glad for that because he's an important person in our world. Well, in Italy, we wound up in a small town, Ravalo, and it's on the Amalfi Coast, not as far south excuse me, as you can go in Italy, but pretty far south, south of Rome. And Ravalo is at the top, 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 top of the mountains, as a matter of fact. And we are trying to find our way there. The Not only were the directions we were given really not such good directions, but the, um, you know, pathfinder in the car kept telling us to go in places that were wrong. As a matter of fact, we wound up in this one lane, which was exactly a car's width. And it was like sunk down. So you were down about like four feet into the ground with these earth and big hedges on either side driving on this one way lane. And of course, somebody's coming the other way. <clears throat> I mean, we couldn't believe we were supposed to go that way, but the GPS was, was telling us to. And it wasn't into a lake or into some, you know, problematic area. So we figured, okay, you know, we'll give it a try. So, of course, we stopped and we talked to this person and we asked after the place that that we were going, and they didn't know that place. And then we asked for a Ravalo, and they said, oh, yes, 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 you go down there, and you go down there, and then you go up, and you go up, and you go up, and you go up, and you keep going up. And when you go all the way up, as far as you can go up, you will have arrived at the town. And that is exactly what we did. We went up, and we went up, and up, and up, and up, and up, and up. And when we could go no further up, we were there at the town. We still, however, didn't know where the place we thought we were staying was. And it took us a while of hunting around. And finally, I said, look, <clears throat> there seem to be some cars parked here. And kind of in there, there seems to be some activity. So let's go in there. 
And we did. And what we walked into was a grotto, a shrine to a saint. There's a mountain looming up over us for like 300 feet. And, and under it, in its shadow, the, you know, houses and the shrine built right into the mountain, right into where there was a grotto in the mountain. And kind of a little piazza made there where people were sitting and enjoying espresso and each other and a little fountain, of course, there. Uh, the real um, heart of Italy there in this tiny little town. Well, you know, we asked around and the, the consensus was that we had picked a place, place to stay that was down far too many stairs. There was a great argument among the people as to exactly how many stairs we were going to go down. Was it 200? Was it 300? Was it 220? Was it 310? Meanwhile, we're thinking, oh, my goodness. <clears throat> but intrepid travelers that we were, we followed their directions and got ourselves to the beginning of those stairs, and we began to go down some of the steepest stone stairs I have ever been on in my life at night unlit. And we got down, I counted, about 130 stairs, and I said to my sweetheart, why are we doing this? Let's just forfeit our money because this is crazy and we have to go back up them if we want to go anywhere at all. And he said, we haven't paid anything at all. And I said, oh, my goodness. And I turned around and I took myself right back up those 130 steps and right back to that grotto with the saint. And I threw myself on the mercy of the people gathered there to help me find a place to spend the night. Oh, did I mention it was Easter weekend? Oh, oh. <laughs> crazy girl I am. But they did. They did. That group of people gathered there, and especially the woman who was running the little um, corner store there, helped me find a wonderful place they claimed without any steps. Of course, there were steps. But in a place like this, only 10 steps counts as no steps. And it was literally just steps from the main thoroughfare and the biggest piazza there in town, the big church and everything. So that turned out very well. Now, the drawback was the place that I was going to stay was had this fabulous view. And the place where I did stay, although I did not have to go down who knows how many stairs, the place where I did stay did not have a window on the outside. It had a window into a courtyard, but not a window on the outside. But I just said, you know what? It's for sleeping. I'm going to go out and enjoy the view walking around. In my e-zine this week, there are pictures. There's pictures of the weeds that I met when I was traveling, and there's pictures of my being in the Alps in Switzerland and in Geneva. And in France, I was in the French Alps as well. And there's pictures of me on the Amalfi Coast and that great view we were talking about. And that's it at Wise Woman mentor.com and that's this week's easing just came out today and you can see all those fun photographs of where I've been and some of what I've been doing what I didn't talk about and didn't have any photographs of was the event I went to in Boston and I think I mentioned to you that I'm 
part of a group called the Foremothers of Women's Spirituality. There's 33 of us. And, of course, jesters like to say, why are there 33 of you if there's only four mothers? And it doesn't mean that. It means the four, F-O-R-E, the before mothers of women's spirituality. And um, there was um, a conference for the um, Association of Women and Mythology and an award presented there for the book. And so I was one of the women gathered to read a piece from the book and to enjoy the wonderful, wonderful company of women that I have long admired and the mentored students of women that I have long admired. My good buddy, Vicki Noble, the author, um, along with Karen Vogel, of the Mother Peace Tarot deck, her daughter and my daughter actually went to high school together in Berkeley, California, and I was creating the Amazon Tarot at the same time that Vicki was creating the Mother Peace Tarot. So we have always had um, a strong bond um, because of our shared worldview and our shared children. And it's always just a delight to spend time with her. She does marvelous work. If you don't know of Vicki Noble's work, check it out. She's been very, very active. I said to her that one of the things that, that I was really thrilled by was that everybody who got up and read or, uh, from their part of the book, that the things that they were doing 40 years ago, they're still doing now. And she said, ah, it was one of the things that we looked for in terms of who we wanted in the book. We didn't want people who said, oh, I tried that out, and now I'm not interested in it. She said, we wanted the people who said, this is what I started, and I'm still doing it, and I'm still here to support women who are interested in the goddess and women who are interested in women's spirituality. Right. So and we that's are what I've been doing for the past months. <laughs> Fantastic. We're kind of coming uh, down to it. And, of course, that's something that a lot of people ask me about being a man. And if you meet me in person, I'm a fairly masculine character who's bald with a goatee and and what I mean by that is some people ask about my spiritual path. And, uh, of course, a lot of it involves both a god and a goddess being pagan or druid or Wiccan or whatever. And and it's just an interesting thing. Uh, sometimes the reaction, they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's not Holy Mother, it's Holy Father. Like, well, doesn't it just make sense that it's both, that it's yin and yang and, you know, all of But I'm not here for that kind of um, debate, but it is um, an interesting thing how over time the the feminine element was not respected. And but we're running out of time, I guess, for that discussion. Uh, well, I'm surprised. I just looked at the clock, and you're right. We have we're not only running out of time; we run out of time. Oh my gosh! Anyway. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, we'll get back to work uh, next week. Uh, I'm talking about herbal antibiotics, continuing our talk about herbal antibiotics. And there will be a whole new crop of apprentices here to listen in as we do that. Thank you so much for offering me this forum so that I can reweave the healing cloak of the ancients and restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. I appreciate you and all you're doing here at the Main Street Universe. Good night, everybody. Green blessings. All right, good night, everyone, and we're a minute over, but it will be in the archives. Hopefully it's still here live. I think sometimes it is. But anyway, we're here every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Next week we'll be get back to the herbal talk and chickweed, I think.
by the way, is it's pretty good for the skin, even though it's not going to be next week's topic, and the intestines, right? Isn't chickweed good for something like that? It's, uh, yeah, it is indeed a wonderful dissolver. Yeah, yeah. I could use that. I have psoriasis. Maybe that would help. <laughs> anyway, everyone, thank you all. And here again is our good friend Nathan Lane Anderson, who recently passed on, and here's his plug. I might actually play two of his plugs if I can find the other one quick enough. So thank you so much again, Susan. Great to hear you live again. Yeah, thanks. Great to be with you. And I want to respect your time. So anyway, I'm going to be signing out, and here's a plug, and maybe two if I find the quick one of of Nathan Eddie's. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Well, there's so many things here I couldn't quite find the next one, but I'll I'll continue to play more of his plugs in future episodes. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Green Magic, Green Medicine, right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And now we'll end with this song, which is the original song for this show. And it's uh, our friend Kellyanna, who's been with us. She does, like, sort of goddessy, chanty music. And I saw her live at Six and Stones. Had a pretty nice conversation with her afterwards. Kevin Baird and I were the only two men there. (laughs) It was fun. I enjoyed it. And anyway, here it is. Blessed Are We by Kellyanna. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And have a great evening. Blessed are we in the awakening dawn. Blessed are we in the morning. Blessed are we in the light of the day. As we enjoy the afternoon. As we slip into dreams that are calling Blessed are we in the awakening dawn Blessed are we in the morning Blessed